0: Crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you have chosen to tune into DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks who speak, making your voice heard by voting. You can always register to vote in the United States at vote.org because gamers deserve to be heard too. Let your voice be heard. But it is time to talk games. Welcome to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Squarespace, and Linode. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who has a new Olympic record because he recorded the Olympics, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
2: <laughs> Hello, Jeff. I love uh, this running Olympic theme. I'm going to be sad when the Olympics are over and I have to wait two years to get the uh, Winter Olympic themed introductions. <laughs> um, I also up top want to give a quick general shout out to everyone in our community that is making awesome stuff. I've talked about it before, how if you're making something awesome, send it to me. I want to see your stuff. I might not always have a chance to play it or see it or do it or watch it. But man, from people like Tim, you know, last week making, I don't know, Halo, to people making one man, one woman indie games or board games or films, I think our community is 100% creators, which is incredible. And also, if you're consuming, that's fine, too. I get it. But holy moly, we have some incredibly talented people listening to this show, and that that humbles me. I am pretty humbled, cool, right? Yeah,
0: pretty neat. Although I think you just said, if you're making something... Show it to me so I can see it. I may not have time to see it. I
2: think no, like watch the whole thing. I will check it out. Okay. Send it to me
0: and I will go. Oh. I will but promptly ignore it. That looks awful. Delete. Yes. But
2: send it to Jeff. Hey, Stop it.
0: (laughs) No, I agree with the sentiment. Uh, Awesome community. And we have, since you have started saying that stuff, we have gotten so many cool things, and we really appreciate that. Uh, We will, you know, make our way through all your cool things, uh, people. And thanks so much for um, sharing them with us and letting us know how much creativity and cool stuff is being created by the audience. Uh, Speaking of creativity and cool stuff, we certainly have a lot of game stuff to talk about. Maybe a kind of light week on news, but. A little game called No Man's Sky hit this week, and uh, oh boy, there's lots to discuss there. We're going to have a big, meaty discussion uh, about traveling the stars, so stick around for that. But we got lots of other cool content coming up too, and we have a cool guest to do it with. Uh, you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kannada, your downloadable Christian. This week we are excited because DLC stands for Diet Like a Canadian, because we have nutritionist Health coach, gamer, and resident of Ottawa, Miss Miranda Carvel. Hi Miranda.
1: Hi guys. Thanks so much for having me. Diet like a Canadian. It makes it sound like uh I offer the all bacon diet over here.
0: That's what <laughs> I'm hoping for. Maple? Is everything maple?
1: Everything's maple and and uh and bacon. You absolutely absolutely better believe it.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> you are you are a nutritionist and a health coach and you um advocate for diets that aren't, you know, aren't Crazy and restrictive, but are healthy and and lifestyle affirming. Um, you want to talk absolutely, a little bit about absolutely. what you
1: do. I am not just a nutritionist, but I am a I am a mom of four, and food's got to be good. It's got to taste good. Your kids got to eat it, and it's got to be reasonable. So I am all about that, like reasonable everyday healthy lifestyle.
0: That's awesome, and you are also an avid gamer, so that's what. We're excited to talk to you about uh, some of the stuff that you've been playing. We'll get to that very soon. But we got to start the show the way we normally do, with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag DLCSOTW or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Great conversations there this week. I'm going to reference some of those as we get to topics uh, in the show. Uh, but you can always hang out. Really cool community of folks over on the subreddit. We recommend swinging by. Swing and buy. Uh, Miranda, you are a guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
1: Oh, goodness. Aren't you kind? What a bunch of gentlemen you are. Um, <laughs> so you had some submitted, but I've actually kind of got my own that kind of ties in a little bit to what I do. So I just kind of found it interesting. Great. And I know there's been a lot of Pokemon Go stories in the news, obviously, and a lot of kind of feel-good stories. It makes me happy, like, I don't know, as a... Uh, a mom right a lot of my peers are not gamers and they always think of video games as being like the thing they got to get their kids away from and i see so many of my mom friends out having fun with pokemon go with their kids this summer even though they're not gamers so that's that's kind of cool but i saw this guy from toronto um he walked 266 kilometers so i don't know what that is in american but it's a lot um (laughs) catching all the pokemon in north america which is pretty fantastic in a short period of time. And in three and a half weeks, he also lost 25 pounds and he he liked a ton of people and he had a lot of fun. And I just feel like I like stories like this, like not that it's about magically losing 25 pounds, but just that this game is inspiring people to try new stuff and get out there. He went all over friggin' North America in three and a half weeks. Like what an adventure that is. He'll remember that forever. Like, it just yeah. uh, makes me happy as a gamer to see positive press and benefits, and that it's not just about like, gotta get people away from the TVs, right? It's right. the games are creating this positive energy and positive consequences, and just kind of warm my heart, and made me made me feel good. I love that was in our in the CBC news out of Toronto. Great. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure it. there's other similar stories, but I, I saw that one. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it's great. I,
0: I dig it. Um, Daft Spoon in our chat said that was 165 miles, uh, 266 kilometers. Uh, there we so go. there you go. In in American, um, I love this story as well. This is that's that's really cool to hear, and it's obviously something that I talk about a lot with our Geeks and Sneaks uh, initiative, where you know the idea that. A sedentary lifestyle uh, of gaming; it, it does those things don't have to go hand in hand. You don't you don't have it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive to be active and out in the world and living healthy and also enjoying this hobby. And it's really cool when a game itself can encourage that kind of thing. And I think we're going to see much more of that as you know these AR technologies catch on and there are different ways to have digital entertainment and fun video gaming uh, married to being active, being out in the world and and beyond uh, our desks and our chairs and our couches, uh, right. but I even being
1: think, active and being social.
0: Yeah, but I even yeah. think you know, uh, gaming on the couch doesn't have to be uh, you know synonymous with uh, with uh, unhealthy lifestyles. I think I, as you have proven, and I think others do as well, you can live healthy and also be a, a gamer. So I, I encourage that, and I love this story as a example. Uh, Christian, you want to weigh in?
2: Uh I mean that's incredible right <laughs> my size is just comprehending walking 165 miles in three and a half weeks, like much less playing Pokemon Go, right? Like I want to know what this person could walk if they weren't walking slowly with their phone up to their face.
0: No, I think what happened was uh, they started playing Pokemon Go and then 165 miles later, they looked up from their phone and went, oh my God, where am I? <laughs> yeah, the where most expensive Uber I? ride home ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like that's that's what my sigh was. I'm just comprehending, uh, you know, Toronto's a big city, but like 165 miles, you're getting outside toronto <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. like well
1: you have to to get all of them right because some are only in certain locations
2: right? yeah it's incredible i picture him like you know he walks to you know the canadian whatever like passport office uh needs to get a passport gets to the border like hands his passport over still looking at his What's phone catches
1: here yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> business or pleasure capturing pokemon uh it's 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 incredible and i also i want to know the nitty gritty like what was this person wearing? What running shoes or, or sneakers? Was this like a Vans ad or something? Like that's all the stuff that my brain goes to this with this kind of story where did you have like a camel pack and like drinking water the whole way, checking in at lures. Was it planned? Did you start out your day? Like today's the day I'm going to catch them all or you start down this path and you're like, oh my God, I already have 20% of all the North American Pokemon.
0: I uh, I imagine it like that scene in Forrest Gump when he's like, when I was tired, I slept. When <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was hungry, I ate. You know, yeah. Like, I, I, and then I just kept running. You know, it's like I think. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on He's this man's about mental Ian capacity, Oates I'm in just woods
1: at night with flashlights, with like 20, 30, 40 people catching Pokemon.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. It's good stuff,
2: and it also gave you a reason to dust off your perfect uh, Forrest Gump impression, Amen. Jeff. <laughs>
0: I, I spent I spent a long time in the nineties getting that thing working. I gotta make use of it whenever I can.
1: Call that out <laughs> when you can.
0: Yeah. Uh Christian, what do you got for our story of the week?
2: Oh man. So I don't know if this is the most important story of this week but this is one that I want to talk about for sure. So I will I will throw my hat into the ring with this story. The Pokemon Uranium has been taken down after 5 days after it was put up. Pokemon Uranium was a fan an unlicensed fan-made game and kind of the conceit behind it was um it took place after what a nuclear disaster and so you kind of had um
0: Radiated Mutation,
2: Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Radiated Pokemon. And it was developed over something like nine, ten years by fans and a real passion project. It was downloaded a million and a half times in those five days before it was taken down. And then there's a, a string of others that have been taken down too. A lot. Nintendo is pretty strong on its IP. The other one was another Metroid Two remake that was offered. A, a Nintendo filed copyright claims a day after it was released. The fan made Star Wars Battlefront Three was um, terminated after LucasArts Arts weighed in. And the reason I want to bring up this story is I feel like oftentimes the story is just that. Oh man, this really cool fan made project was taken down. That stinks. Oh, the game was great. I wish Nintendo would, you know, Metroid 2, the remake was better than anything Nintendo's. Um, stop it. Stop it. These games deserve to be taken down. You huh. probably shouldn't make these games. Oh, well, they're not for profit. It's just a fan made thing. Yeah. And the only reason anyone is interested in your thing is because you're stealing this very valuable, well-known intellectual property that another company has made and uh, shepherded and protected over many years. I Don't get me wrong. I love fan-made things, but I, there's always like that internet backlash with like, they should just let us make – no, they shouldn't. And like as someone who creates – and as I said at the top of the show, I love people that create things. And don't get me wrong. I have some killer – fan fiction scripts that i may or may not shoot and if i do and they get takedown notices i'm taking them down like that's that's the world we live in and anyway i don't want to be too ranty here but i am curious jeff as an actor and a creator and things you know what side of this not that there isn't a gray area but kind of where you fall on the
0: let them make it
2: or why did you waste nine years making this
0: well christian Spicer coming out strong in favor of the man uh do you know why because the man because, is legally correct and you're a and, former lawyer <laughs> and I'm the man and
2: you're the man and Miranda's the man and anytime you make something and put it out into the world I don't want someone to do my album but you know maybe better maybe worse and call it like another moment or my moment in time and it's my it, it's the exact it's the I exact
0: gotcha. thing yeah i got gotcha. you uh, i, I I read the story and felt sad for people that spent nine years working on something, you know, under the illusion that they may be able to... What? Well, they, I think it was it was wrongheaded, and I, I agree with you that they should have known. But here's the thing. You, you bring it up in the context of, I'm an actor, and we create things, and yeah, but in a different medium, i.e. film and TV, and, and there are many numerous examples of fan-created shorts that have gotten uh, the blessing, you know, after the fact uh, from the the creators and have been perfectly fine and people have created careers out of them. You know, Dan Trachtenberg and the Portal short. Like, he didn't, you know, he didn't ask permission to make a Portal short before he made a Portal short. Um, and so I think that there's, a, and there's a lot of those. The examples of somebody, you know, ma- getting a lot of attention for something because they created a an homage, a uh, fan service type of situation using IP that they don't own. In video games, it's a little different. We haven't really seen that. We've only seen this kind of example where things get taken down. Now, 1.5 million downloads of Pokemon Uranium happened, which means 1.5 million people... Already have it, and it's going to be continue to be supported. Which those you know, 1.5 million people can give it to whomever they want as well. And I don't think this thing is going to die by any stretch. And it already, you know, we're talking about it. It made <clears throat> made news. It's really by all you know by all uh, accounts really well made and and high quality. So maybe it will lead to some positivity for the people that created it. But I, I you know I fundamentally agree with you, Christian. I think that they shouldn't expect any different. But also these things come from a place of love and they don't, they're not trying to make money from them. And I don't think Pokemon uranium is taking any money away from Pokemon sun and moon, which is coming out soon.
1: But so it's not it's just about greater. whether taking any money away, right? It's, this is Nintendo's property, Nintendo's brand. It's their IP. It's their very carefully controlled characters that they've had forever. And, you know, I'm sorry they spent nine years making something with somebody else's assets, but I don't think that that's really a factor. Maybe they would have been better off to put their nine years into making something with their own stuff. Um, I think it's interesting showing that that there's a desire for something like this, um, but that it's, you know... Again, as people who create things, which um, I do and my spouse does, like our livelihood depends on the stuff we create and uh, providing for our family depends on the things that we create. You can't just take stuff that doesn't belong to you and go, well, people like it, so it's right. okay.
0: You're clearly right, uh, and, I, and I'm not arguing that. Um, and In the chat room, uh, could432 said uh, fan films – uh, feel different than games to him. Uh, films enhance interest. A fan game can replace the actual games. I don't know if – I think a fan film could replace the actual film if it's better. But I, I take the point. And I take your point, Miranda, I, I, and yours, Christian. I, I don't think you guys are wrong. Clearly, you're, you're in the right here. Um I just wonder like what's the difference between something like Stardew Valley, right? Stardew Valley comes out, it's basically Harvest Moon. He didn't call it Harvest Moon. He didn't use any of the IP of Harvest Moon, but it's it is a fan created Harvest Moon game. Uh, you know, if they if they released something called Ploki Blonde, you know, uranium well, yeah. or uh you know uh Bletroid Prime or whatever. You literally said the difference though. So it's and that's called enough. some like that's in
2: 100% yes, because what is, um, what is Heroes of the Storm? It's just Dota, but they didn't use the name or any of the characters, and the gameplay is a little different. Like, that's, that's all, I mean, of course, of course, that's, that's perfectly okay, right? Like, that's 100% okay. Like, if they wanted to make this game and they called it, um, collect all them monsters. And then in the description, it says, if you like games like Pokemon, Monster Hunter, whatever, 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 this game's for you. Yeah, because what is Animal Crossing? It's just Harvest Moon, but, you know, simplified gameplay again. Like, that is a 100%, 100% okay. And I get what you're saying, you know, the risk-reward of, you know, you put yourself out there and, you're going to get attention because of the IP, and so maybe it can spur an interest. And in, you know, like Dan's awesome portal short, um, and, and there are many examples of that. Some awesome Valve things, the Mortal Kombat web series that started off unofficial and then kind or of portal. got portal.
1: Where Portal came from, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> or, or Portal. Um, but I, I just feel like, to me, the reason I wanted to bring the story up, and I got a little ranty and soapboxy up front, is I feel like oftentimes the stories highlight how long the developers spent on this and how much time they poured into a project. And I empathize with them, but I just want to, I guess, yeah, be the man again from time to time and say, yeah, after one day on this, you should have thought, oh man, we're spending nine years on this. It's probably going to get taken down. Like you, you just need to know that and know that that's okay.
0: Yeah. And what if it is okay? I mean, again, you guys are not wrong. And I sympathize as somebody who creates something I shouldn't certainly wouldn't want things I created to be stolen, but maybe this isn't cynical at all. Maybe they just did it for the love of doing it. And maybe they didn't want anything out of it other than, Hey, look what we could do because we love this thing so much. Maybe I'm Pollyanna, maybe I'm naive, but there's a potential that this was, these types of things are just done out of love. And in that sense, I kind of think that they can be applauded and not just like, you guys are idiots for making it. Don't be such idiots. You know?
1: <laughs> no, I, I empathize too. Cause a, a lot of these times, I'm sure these things do come from fans, right? They, it's fan made. They must love the brand, but it's when you think of it from a business perspective, right? Nintendo spent a lot of time building up these characters and what happens if somebody else takes them and starts doing things that don't align with that brand and don't fit, you know, and you start putting Pokemon in compromising positions and then you have a really whole bunch of unhappy parents or whatever it is that, that happens, right? It's a very slippery slope. So, but I feel for them because probably it came from a genuine place of, of loving the brand, right. And loving the IP, but from a, business standpoint, this is just like, this isn't something you can do. It it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they look at that and they go 1.5 million people down, it downloaded our thing in a week. That's, that's got to feel good. High fives guys. Wait, nine. Well, years yeah. And well my, spent.
2: my comments are less to the creators being idiots. I'm not trying to say that's the case. I'm trying. I'm, I'm just, I feel like the articles often put them as it, put these people in a place of like, man, The man is the worst, and they they really put Nintendo or the IP holder in a bad light, Mm -hmm. and I just want to be the other side of that coin and say, you know, I get it. Make your thing out of love. That's awesome. They made an incredible thing by all accounts, but I don't think that we should feel bad for them or get angry at the company when they protect their rights. Fair enough. Fair
1: enough. I hope these guys can take what they've done and maybe turn it into something that is theirs. Cause obviously it's really connected with a lot of people. And I'm sure not all of that is because of the Pokemon brand. Cause that's a lot of downloads, man. Yeah. And they've already got sort of a infrastructure in place there. So maybe that they can leverage that and turn it into something that's really theirs. It's going to still resonate with that fan base.
0: Next week, we're going to be talking about this crazy blokey blonde game that just got released <laughs> blokey blonde uranium. Whoa. What is that? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, my story of the week, I think, is going to be the delay that we just heard about this morning for Final Fantasy fifteen, 15 uh, which was supposed to be released September thirtieth and is now being pushed back all the way to November twenty ninth, which seems pretty significant. Especially if um, I mean, what I don't know what day Black Friday is this year, but uh, it sounds like they're you know either going to miss Black Friday or just be right there. Like this is the latest anything can be pushed back. I think for a major release and still be out in time for holiday type push. Um, And uh, there was, it was announced with a video uh, explaining that they, you know, want to have a very high quality game. They've created a master version, but they're still working on making it that high quality and that there was going to be a massive day one patch required if they, hit their uh september uh, 30th date and they wanted to have that patch on the disc now obviously if you listen to last week's episode we talked about day one patches quite a bit this is a continuation of that conversation which is why i wanted to bring it up again which is better miranda delay your game and get the patch on the disc or put your game out earlier and make me have to download multiple gigabytes of patch what do you think what which do you prefer as a gamer
1: You know, it always sucks when there's a game that you're looking forward to and it gets delayed. Like, that's just the worst feeling. And if this is a game you're excited about, I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) But for me, I would always rather wait and let them finish and make it good and have it all there and ready to play day one. Like, I would rather, I would rather they take the time that they need and they make the game that I want so that ultimately I'm going to have that better experience, even though. It's a drag. Nobody likes waiting, but I I would always rather wait. And I went through this, you know, we all have our games that we love, and The Division was like the next-gen game for me that seemed like it was years in coming, and then it got pushed, and I was just like, oh, no, are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) But it's so worth it. I loved that game, and, you know, if they feel like they need the time, then... Take the time, because this is a title that people are going to go nuts about, and they should take the time that they need to make it the game that it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, Gaucho Cam in the chat says, big patches are not good for those who have data caps. And that's right. You uh, know, it's, it's, those of we us- had
1: really slow internet up until just a couple of months ago, and these kinds of patches were just like awful. We would be a couple of days sometimes, especially if, if we had two copies, because we're like a two-console house. And it means like you come home with your new game and I can play it Thursday. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Yeah, no, I know I'm sitting here with the uh, you know a nice pretty nice internet connection going, well, I don't care about day one patches, but I, I think that's the minority dis- minority position. I think there are a lot of people who have uh, very significant issues as we've talked about before. Christian, what do you what do you come down on this? Uh delay or day one patch?
2: Delay. Depending on how big the pe- I mean delay delay is always a better answer of t- trying to rush to meet a deadline that you might not rush. I do think it's unfortunate in terms of like holiday season, but I-, I think delay is the right way to go. I think there's enough time out front for them to get the news out about a delay and hopefully make people feel better. So I vote. I'm on team delay recording. Make sure that's good. OK, that is good. Three, two. So, yeah, I am firmly on team delay.
0: Well, hilariously, you know, they're saying that uh, this is for that very reason they want to give the most uh, people the best chance to have the best version of the game. So, you know, they're protecting those people that that need to have the game on the disc. But at the end of the announcement, they're also saying, "Well, we'll still have further patches coming <laughs> as
1: a DLC." So,
0: you know, they're That's still uh, still going to do it. Uh, but it's a bummer. Uh, it's a bummer that the game is going to be delayed that long. So, uh, you know, I was excited to play Final Fantasy 15. We'll see uh, that at the end of November now. Uh, let's move on. I, um, you know, there's a couple of other news stories here, but uh, I'm just so excited to talk <laughs> about No Man's Sky. Let's not delay that anymore. Uh, I, I do want to delay slightly because we do need to thank our sponsor, Squarespace, which is some pl- uh, is something that I've been so happy to talk about for so many years Squarespace has been the place that has housed my website. It's how I created my website, jeffcanada.com. And I love it. I recommend it to everybody that needs an online presence of any kind, any kind of website you might need, an online portfolio, even a storefront. Uh, Squarespace is the easiest way to do that. They make great looking websites and uh, you have complete control with really, really easy to use tools. All what you see is what you get drag and drop. So basically you start with a template and the templates are varied and interesting and they're not, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. And then you can further customize them to make the site your own so it doesn't look like everything else on the web. And it's easy to do that because you're just dragging and dropping things. You're just moving stuff around. You can try our, all their tools completely free if you have any reason to create a website just jump onto squarespace.com go to squarespace.com slash dlc jump onto squarespace create your site you don't even have to put a credit card in they're not going to automatically charge you for anything you can you can use the tools as long as you want to create the site you want and then when you want to take it live that's the only point at which they charge you so there's no going to be any automatic charge just for trying out their software it's really really cool uh, you also get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So you're saving money, and we're going to save you even more money when you go to squarespace.com slash DLC and use the promo code me, which is J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, you get 10% off. And you show your support for DLC and make it possible for us to keep making this show. So go to squarespace.com slash DLC. Check out how easy it is. Am I no, I got
2: interference on? from Miranda on that part.
0: Okay. Oh, sorry. And save 10% off your first order by using that promo code Jeff JeffSentMe. Uh, we really appreciate Squarespace. I've used them for about a decade now, which is pretty crazy to think. Um, and, and I love the service. I honestly recommend it to everybody uh, in my life, all my friends and family that need to make a website. I'm just go. Squarespace.com. Go. Squarespace.com slash DLC. Promo code Jeff me. All right, guys, uh, let's move on now to the playlist. No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, guys. No Man's out. Uh, we've all been playing it. Miranda, let's start with you. What is your Are you playing it on uh, PS4? I'm PC playing it on PS4. What is your take? Okay. And. Were you excited about it? Were you looking forward to this
1: Not game Not even a little out? bit. What this game was your... wasn't even on my radar. I didn't think it was a game for me. Um, I don't really normally play spaceship games, flying games, anything like that. Um, so we had it on pre-order because my partner, Jeff, plays space games. And I'm like, oh, this is another one of your crazy EVE Online kind of games. And so I kind of went into it a little <laughs> bit cold because I just kind of tuned out anytime I heard anything about it um, and went into it cold. And I... have I've played quite a few hours of No Man's Sky, actually, to my surprise.
0: Well, that's interesting. I love the perspective of somebody who wasn't sort of tuned into the hype machine. What What do you like about it? What has kept you playing? So
1: um, I really like the um, – it's really chill, man. Like when you just want to sit and relax, the music's really zen. I almost feel like I'm in a spa or have one of those meditation apps on – And uh, when I just feel like at the end of the day, kicking back for an hour and relaxing, like sometimes you're not into, you know, guns blazing and strategy, it's pretty cool for that. Um, So yeah, I kind of like that aspect. I got to say, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this game. I'm all over the place um, with different aspects of it. But that's, that's one thing that I like. And I love the art style. It's kind of cartoony, but not little kid cartoony, and the color palette's nice. So when I sit down, I just feel like it's it's relaxing and kind of chill that way. So yeah, yeah I like that. I like that aspect of it. Yeah,
0: it's truly gorgeous. It is a gorgeous world. And the the, the planets that you visit, I'm constantly... It takes my breath away by finding some vista that overlooks an ocean littered with islands or even the hostile environments. As you said, I love the use of color. It isn't, you know, space grays and, and silvers and browns and greens. It's, it's vibrant. It's alive. Even the flora and fauna can have a, a whole spectrum of color. Um, it, it really is beautiful. And each new planet you visit, is a, is a new discovery in that way. Are you, how are you playing it? Are you, um, staying on your, the first planet? Are you venturing out far and wide? So I just
1: started sort of venturing out. I stayed on the first planet for a while. Um, we might move a little bit more into this, but the beginning, you know, I don't normally play these, these games that are these open, you know, non-guided experiences like Minecraft and things like that. Everyone else in my house plays Minecraft except for me because, I'm like, I don't know what to do. It almost stresses me out that it's so open, if that makes any sense. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, this game starts off very much the same way, where it there's a lot of important information that it doesn't really introduce you to. And I was feeling so confused, wondering if I was playing it right. Am I doing something wrong? Am I, should I still be on this planet? Should I be off this planet? Is it time to leave? I feel like I've been here a long time. Um, so I stayed on that planet for quite a while. I liked it. Um And I like that kind of just cruising around and going from place to place. Um, Almost felt like I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica fan. Like, huge. I've watched that series so many times. And in that last episode, we're past the spoiler cutoff for Battlestar endings, right? (laughs) It's been like seven years. I'm sorry if you haven't seen the end. (laughs) When they're cruising over Earth, looking at all the gazelles and everything, that's always one of those images that sticks in my head. And I felt like that. You know, you can fly just off the ground and just explore. Um, So that was, it was cool, but man, I started off almost like my anxiety was up because I was not sure if I was playing it right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things about the game, right, is that I've described it as um, all of the stuff that people don't like about, well, not people don't like, but all of the stuff about in, in Skyrim or Fallout that stresses people out. With regard to uh, direction, you know all of the like. Well, there's so much to see and do. I don't know where to what ahead. Like that's that's all this game is. <laughs> there is no there is no other part. Um, and I can totally understand that. I think that I get a little of that too. The planets are so big, and then you look up and you're like, well, there's six more planets out there. Should I keep wandering around here, or should I fly out and right. see another planet? You can that's spend make hours me on just one planet, out?
1: right? But then you can see yeah. there's more and more. Um, so, yeah, it's a little hard to know. So I spent quite a while on that first planet just kind of getting a feel for it. And But now I've been kind of hopping around to see what else there is, you know, find some different races, yeah. find some different climates on different resources and all that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian, how about you? What what has been your experience so far with uh, No Man's Sky? You're playing on PC.
2: I am. Right? I am playing on PC. I know it's ne- not necessarily dependent on your rig, but for people listening, I have a 6700 i7, a 980 Ti, and 16 gigabytes of RAM on my rig. And I have not played it on PS4 at all, so I don't have a direct comparison. I've seen some PS4 streams, um, but my sessions have been fine I haven't had any major crashes. There has been some of that jitter load as, you know, I'm flying on my, in my ship close to a planet kind of thing. But I've seen that on PS4 streams as well. But my personal PC experience has been fine. The game has been very, very playable. Um, I I think No Man's Sky is an easy game to criticize and to be internet snarky about and to hate on and to roll your eyes at and I also think that it might be my game of the year, this game is incredible. It is absolutely mind-blowing what this game does in terms of shifting expectations and redefining what you're doing when you're playing a game in the digital age that has gotten to... You know, achievements to unlock, things to complete, do this, clear the map, see everything. Did you really beat the game if you only beat the story? Got to get to the center of the universe. I'm not there. I've kind of avoided seeing what's there. If someone tells me, I won't be heartbroken by it. But I'm perfectly okay if I get to the center of the universe and there's literally nothing there. And then I would laugh at the people who rush to get there because I'm like, who cares? Who cares what's there? This game is beautiful around every turn. My first three hours, which I have uh, still archived on my Twitch and on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713. My first three hours, uh, I started – I couldn't name things Spicer because that got caught in the profanity filter, which I've struggled with before. It's because of the version of that name without the ER on the end of it is a uh, a slur and a, a bad term. So it gets popped sometimes. So I had to come up with something else to use because like any good explorer, everything I find needs to have my name attached to it. Um, I carved a, a penis into a into a rock because I could, a huge mountain rock. I carved a giant penis into it because of course I can because it's video games. Uh, I got startled by a sentinel. That I didn't know I angered because I angered it. I went into a cave having no clue what was in this cave. Ended up being nothing. But man, was it beautiful to go into this cave.
0: And I wandered around Need to we need to have a box quote for you. Box quote for you. I carved a penis into a rock. Game of the year.
2: But uh, and, and it is. I don't disagree with you that it is. It's The Witcher or Fallout without the story quests. But what I love about it is the way it shifts expectations of of doing everything and seeing everything. And I think so many of us, myself included, were caught in this world of like, I need to beat this game or I put 20 hours into it and I already see the feedback loop. Collect 10 of these to get four of these to make one of these. Repeat, boring. After 20 hours, I'm sick of it. You spent 20 hours doing it in two freaking days. That's amazing. You loved this game. Like, stop it, (laughs) stop it.
0: Well, it's interesting. it's interesting that you frame it in that way because I've been doing a lot of thinking recently you know, in regard to that as well with regard to uh, No Man's Sky because it's, it's an interesting... I played a lot of No Man's Sky this week, but I also played a lot of, of World of Warcraft again because the Legion uh, pre-order patch is up and you can start with the new hero class and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, talk about two very different philosophies of game, uh, and pretty much the polar opposites ends of the spectrum. And I think over the last, I don't know, decade of gaming or more, uh, I have been conditioned by games, as have we all, I, I would submit, that we we are conditioned to have carrots on sticks we are conditioned to chase after the absolutely.
1: carrot absolutely and there's and identify no, the- no there's maybe some carrot and some stick in here but there's no reward in this game and it's something that i'm really struggling with and i'm trying to be a little open minded but for me i feel like i play games so i play a lot of rpgs so definitely there's a lot of like that do the quest Quest complete, get a reward. And that's a lot of my gaming experience. And I like that feedback because I feel like I don't get that all the time in real life, right? That's one reason why I enjoy games is it makes me feel good like I accomplished something. And in this game, there's absolutely none of that whatsoever. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing, but it's a completely different experience.
0: Yeah, and that sense of purpose. And I don't know... I I kind of um, I kind of feel like my conditioning to chase carrots is not necessarily a good thing. I think it, it 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 changes our brain structure in a lot of ways. To say if there's no reward for this, why am I doing it? Uh, and there's some interesting books on that subject that you know f- philosophically that I think the idea of a reward based psychology is is a little worrisome, you know. Um, and I find myself in playing no man 's Sky, which is clearly a game that eschews that that convention and tells you that it 's about the journey, not the destination right it 's about experiencing and, and and moving through and I find myself getting lost in this game quite often i 'll I will you know hours will melt away playing no man's sky and i 'll be so immersed in seeing the beauty and just walking up to the, a ridge of something and looking out and seeing these crazy planets on the horizon and the, the way the light reflects off the water and an, and an animal that lopes through my you know vision and all of that gorgeous feeling of being in a new place. And then i and I will be lost in it, and I will want to know what's around the next bend, and I will find a beacon and activate it, and know that there's a, a thing over there, and I'll get in my ship and fly low as Miranda was talking about, and you know you know just kind of graze over the tops of of mountains mm-hmm. and uh through valleys and and go to the next beacon and get some new resources, and I'll be completely lost in that, and then I'll you know hop out of my ship and I'll walk a little ways and I'll look at the in the, at the horizon and I'll see a cave, and I'll look at that cave and I'll go. Oh wait. I could walk over there, but what's inside there is gonna be just more of the stuff that's here. And all of a sudden I'll be like jolted out of that serene, beautiful place I was in, realizing there's nothing waiting for me except, there. There's nothing to be in found. the
2: cave and seeing the
0: Yeah, but that cave is only mildly different than the 27 other caves that I was in where I got carbon and I got zinc and I got plutonium. And there's going to be carbon and zinc and plutonium in that cave. And the flora and fauna is going to be marginally different okay. than the flora and fauna I found. And there's this moment where I go, I'm not actually exploring anything other than an oh. algorithm. There's, just listen to me. Just listen to me for a second.
1: I feel the exact same way. It's that, like all of a sudden I just hit this saturation point and I'm like – why am I doing this again? I don't need any more zinc. I'm good for zinc, you know? Um, Right. And so, you know, sometimes it's like this weird, uh, um, I don't know, maybe it's the same thing as movies or TV shows or books or anything else. Sometimes you're in the mood for one thing and sometimes you're in the mood for something else. And certainly sometimes it's so nice just to chill out and listen to that relaxing music. And almost, it's kind of cool, almost that there's no voice really. Like I can just really chill and pick up stuff, and then all of a sudden, I'm done. Or other times, you know, I really feel like uh, doing something that's more action-packed and, and more exciting, but uh, definitely, it's um, I feel that same way of, like, hitting that almost like a saturation point of, like, on um, the same way, kind of abruptly pulled out of it, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm done. Why am I doing this?
0: Yeah. Uh, underscore Funk in the chat says, uh, hey, Jeff, hate to break it to you, but that's kind of what we do in life. No doubt. Yeah,
1: but I play games to and escape life. <laughs>
0: what I've re- well, what I realized was what what I'm constantly looking for is the a touch of intelligence, how it, how the touch of intelligence has shaped things. Like I I kept thinking about going on a hike. And I go I love hiking. I love going out into nature and going on a hike and seeing nature and being out there is very similar to what it's like in, in no man's sky is venturing out in the unknown, finding these things, going to places and seeing how stuff has been shaped over time. But the real magic of being on a hike is finding something that was shaped by intelligence that an animal did to create a thing. And and the real magic of games like the Bethesda games that I love is when I get to a point and see something that has been shaped by intelligence that a designer put here that indicates something that there is an actual fingerprint on the world rather than just an algorithm in the world. And I remember when I talked uh, a few months ago after having interviewed uh, Sean Murray from hello games and him saying that his joy uh, of playing no man's sky was seeing the maths. Like he loved how he could see the maths at work. And I got really worried when I heard that because I think that's a very niche idea. And there are some people that will appreciate that. And I did appreciate that and do appreciate that in, in short spurts in this game. But when there's no fingerprint of intelligence, when there's no, there's no there, there, when there's no thing to actually discover other than more algorithm, it it becomes ultimately a pretty hollow experience for me. Uh, I have often criticized Mass Effect, which is a game people love but I've often criticized it for the opposite of this game, which is every planet feels small. Every you know, I go to a new planet and it's one building. I go to a new planet and it's like a corridor that I walk down. Why why is that a planet? Uh, I wish there was some way to meld Mass Effect and this technology so that there are. These vast, interesting planets created with randomness, but then I can also find a city that has interesting people and stories to tell, and you know stuff there. And I understand this is a much smaller team, <laughs> an order of magnitude smaller team than than Bioware is doing on Mass Effect. So it's a it's an unrealistic expectation set on this game. But I also the just the the fact of playing it engenders that expectation it's not the hype machine that made me want that it's playing the game that makes me go i wish everything wasn't abandoned i wish that every planet wasn't devoid of civilization i wish there was something to actually discover rather than one person sitting in a room who can tell me one thing oh man and that's
2: i go ahead uh i can't i can't I can't believe this and and you said so many things and I've tried to take notes and i'm I'm losing track i i you sound like me talking about the current state of v r except maybe even more pessimistic <laughs> where it's like yeah vive is great but I want to walk around my whole house. I want to really be in the world. I want to do this. And people are like, dude, Christian, stop being such a pessimistic loser, man. This is great. Appreciate it. Like you're sitting here saying there's no there, there. There's literally there, there. There's a freaking cave that you can walk into and explore this beautiful cave that was created. There was no fingerprint of intelligence. Are you kidding me? Talk about throwing this team under the bus. What they created in this world that self generates, spoiler alert, I bet half the crap in fallout was click repeat click repeat click repeat, oh, and they take this world great. and you're able to go there and you're not impressed by this cave. Well, get in your freaking spaceship, fly to space, and fly to another GD planet and see if you like that one better. How are you not impressed by what's happening in this game? You need something pulling you along. There's there's emergent gameplay happening. All the time. I went to my first uh, monolith and I don't have any understanding of language in this game. And I have this risk reward thing of reaching in to get this thing or not. I'm like, I'm going to get the thing because I'm going to steal all the thing. And it was like, nah, dude, you messed up. And I can never get that back. I messed up that experience, that experience or that moment. I did the quote-unquote wrong thing. Maybe the story elements get boring after 40 hours. Also, that's 40 hours of a game that I've played. And then that's, that's my story. I came around into my first building or the first building when I saw another alien in there. And I was like, what is this guy doing here? And I have this whole world created of what this guy's doing there, why he's there, why he exists, what he's telling me, what he's not telling me, why he's not doing all this thing. And it's stretching your imagination in a way that current video games do don't do and what i think that i love about this game more than the witcher or fallout is that there is no you got to go save your son but while well don't worry about him check out this baseball field we turned into a city that's
0: dope um yeah it's funny that i, I was thinking of that when i was playing i was like this solves yeah. your problem of 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 stuff to do while there's a there's a crisis because there's, there's no, cri- no crisis. There's, there's, <laughs> they just removed there's the crisis, not, and,
2: and so it fixes right. And problem. I'm I don't I'm not angry at you. I'm getting riled up. I apologize. I'm not I'm not angry <laughs> at you or <laughs> Miranda. But I feel like this game to me. Uh, that's what I love about it is that I will never ever ever see it all. The guy who got the copy early and rushed to the center of the universe. Congratulations! You saw. One-tenth of this thing. I started naming things, uh, Donald Trump is a racist, just in case someone else sees it, it's there. But they never will. But it made me happy in that moment. I saw my first huge animal, and I freaked out.
1: Like, absolutely, 100%. They've got a quantity of worlds, and you could absolutely keep going from place to place to place. But I do agree that they're a little bit... I don't know if generic is the right word. Like, they've all been painted with the same brush, and there's not that... Um, like that touch, like Jeff was saying, like when I think of Oblivion, that was a huge game at the time, but there was all these beautiful details in this beautiful architecture and little things that lent story. And I mean, I played 40 hours of Oblivion before I ever touched the story, just walking around, finding all these beautiful places. And I don't feel like this game has that. It has absolutely a huge quantity of places that I can go, but they're not quite so rich or so detailed or they don't feel like anybody lived there or that there was any real like story there. And I don't feel so compelled to go on and on and on because after a certain point, it starts to feel a little bit the same, like, yeah, the temperature might be different, uh, you know, and there's those different, you know, different climates or whatever, but there's not that same story and i get that they're a small team i think it's like 12 guys that made this but this is this was a full price game on ps4 like this game was almost a 100 bucks after tax here uh like it's not that game you know and oh come on let me just
0: just say Um, come on let me just (laughs) yeah christian I, I, first of all, let me just say I love that you love this game. I really do. I'm so happy that quit you trying feel to be the good guy.
2: You are me. the cynic, the pessimist, the glass half empty. I'm, You're the jerk in this game, Jeff. Go ahead.
1: Don't get me wrong. I'm glad this game was made. No, like no, Miranda, just stop even it. you a jerk if I don't too. Ever touch Jerks. it again? I love <laughs> to see more niche games out there, and I don't think that we. Every game needs to be a AAA game. Like, I like very specific types of games that I would like to see more of made, whether they sell a bazillion copies or not. I'm glad that this game is having a big measure of success, even if it's maybe not my game of the year. Um, like, so from like just that perspective of, be- of being a gamer, I'm so happy to see a, a more niche game make it and get lots of attention and lots of people playing it because it means more niche games for me, hopefully. And not every game has to be a AAA game, but holy moly, like this was a full investment and we're in a house of six gamers. We have to pick and choose what games we're going to play every year. Right. And this was a full price game and it's a lot of it is a, a, a little, a little empty. And A little there's a little something missing for me, like to keep me in that game. It's beautiful in a lot of ways, but it's very simple, you know. There's no voice over, there's no elaborate detail. There's, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't there too. And we may see those things added over time, patched in. I expect that this game's gonna be completely different in six months. But uh, but there's a yeah, little cool of that that warp
0: missing. Uh, it's interesting to me, Christian, that you are someone that that uh, you know doesn't love the the fallouts of the world or the Skyrims of the world, and this is kind of an answer to those for you. And I think that I do think that's awesome. You can you can cast me in the in the bad guy role. That's fine. I, I'll accept it. But I I do think it's cool. Like that's this is then an, an answer to that those games for you, and that's neat. Let me frame it slightly differently. Uh, the other thing that that is a disappointment to me is that even devoid of uh, a intelligence layer, right? And maybe that's an unfair way of putting it, but a uh, a handcrafted layer. I'll say that there's a lot of intelligence clearly in the making of this game, but there's nothing particularly handcrafted about it because it's procedural in absence of that which i think would would make a huge difference in finding things in in having reward for exploration in a, making me think that oh my god maybe the next planet is the planet that has some secret waiting for me um in absence of that placing me in a in a in a giant universe like this i would like at least some skill layer so that there's a reason for me to input time into this world that is rewarded in a facility of being able to do things better and and there is, it, the game is completely devoid of of skill. There is nothing that you get better at doing in no man's sky as a player. There is no combat layer that is worthwhile there is no uh there's no, nothing that your continued play in the world. It, it makes you better at.
1: Oh, there's certainly no combat and, skill.
0: Right. And the, the combat is, is fine, but it's, it's kind of clunky and there, and there's no, there's no skill layer to it, right? There's no, there's nothing that I can do 50 hours in at the game better than I could do yep, an hour sure in the is. game other than getting farther and having well, more no, stuff. you
2: can upgrade right. your combat multi-tool. You can upgrade your mine the mining side of your multi-tool to,
0: I'm not talking about... Yes, you, you can get m- more inventory slots for sure. It would be is more like, powerful. Please, can I get more? No, I agree with that. But your skill you as the player, not your like, RPG-ness, your actual facility at doing things, th- what you have learned by visiting these planets, what you have learned by inputting time, getting but to planet C you- after you are on planet A... You are no better at being on Planet Z than you were sure on you Planet Sure you are.
2: You A. learn the alien language, and you're able to solve puzzles better, and you understand more of the story. How, how does that? How does your player skill level change at the end of Fallout than it was at the beginning of Fallout? You've learned no new skill. You're still pulling up the VAT system every time, but your gun is more powerful, and the enemy you're facing is more powerful. So it's kind of the same encounter it was the first time you did it.
0: Well, I certainly love the VAT system, but it, that that's – that is not something that I would represent as a skill layer. The skill layer is the actual shooting, the actual the using of different. You you acquire different um, means of approaching combat. You acquire uh, traps and bombs. So you and, get grenades.
2: In this, in No
0: Man's Sky, um, you acquire grenades. You acquire bigger grenades. You acquire. You you would submit that the combat in No Man's Sky is equally skill based to something like destiny.
2: no of course not of course not but that's that's or, that's twitch-based first person shooting competitive gaming that's not that's not I, at the end of playing um uh destiny the single pl- like destiny i'm no different like my character skills aren't changing i'm getting stronger weapons but i'm facing stronger enemies and in this game you know i might not end up facing stronger enemies because my experience might never live me leave me on a planet with um I forget what they're called. The most extreme planet where, um, frenzied, I think is what it is. I haven't seen one, so I don't, I don't know. But like to say that you're not upgrading your skills, you're not upgrading them in a linear path, you know. Let
0: me, let me, let me, let me give you two, uh, two contrary examples. In Fallout 4, very early on in the game, I went to a tower where I, I heard a beacon and there was a person who was trapped in the tower that was guarded by, um, Mutants. Okay, now a story layer there, which is cool. Give me a reason to go to that tower. But let's just remove that from the conversation. Let's say I go to that tower and I found a very very powerful mutant in that tower. It was he was a skull to me, right? So I I shouldn't even be able to fight him. But what I did was I fashioned, I crafted things, I fashioned tools, I set up traps, I whittled him down and. Because I thought it through and my personal skill level of understanding the systems in the game, I took down that mutant and finished a quest that I shouldn't have been able to finish. Now, con- compare that to a uh, a sentinel starts attacking you on a planet because you were mining some materials too close to it. What are the various strategies you can do to deal with that sentinel? There is one. Shoot it. That is the only okay, strategy destiny. you do.
2: Okay, the division. Okay, Halo. Right, those
0: are th- right. Those are shooter. I'm saying on a on a in a game that is as complex and interesting a universe as No Man's Sky is. And make no mistake, it is complex and interesting, fascinating to be there. I would like a skill layer that allows me to approach that universe from a variety of strategies that allows me to take down uh, problems that I uh, am faced with from a variety of approaches. There is one approach and. And it is really simple, and it doesn't get any more interesting 40 hours in than it did one hour in. It is the same thing from start to finish. And I've I've explored this universe, and I've gotten all kinds of crazy new technologies, and there is no other unique thing for me to do to to approach that. I agree,
2: and I would again say And it's
1: no different if you're in space either. It's the space combat is the exact same thing.
2: Sure. And I I, I I agree with that. But I feel like, again, to harken back to our, our VR conversations, do I 100% would, – would I enjoy this game even more if I landed on a planet and that planet was the game The Witness? Oh, yeah. That would be incredible. Or if I landed on a planet and, uh-oh, now I'm on Venus and Destiny and I'm playing Destiny. Or if somehow this had
0: – You're describing Ready Player right, One, by the right? way. Right. Or if this had Fallout
2: in it somewhere – um, or, you know, you land on a planet and you find out that there is this narrative, like if you, if only, but only one person finds it, but it exists. So it becomes this thing on the internet that everyone trying to track and find this thing. And then, you know, you're progressing through this world with this other level of gameplay. Of course. Do I wish destiny didn't suck as bad as it sucks, but I still love it. Of course. Like Vanilla Destiny, what a piece of trash. But I still loved the game for what it did. Its story was underdeveloped. Um, Its progression system was out of place in terms of how you had to level up and gear up. Do I wish the Dark Zone wasn't riddled by cheaters in an end game that ultimately didn't matter to the progression of the game of The Division? Of course. Do I wish The Division had Uncharted 4's story? Of course. Do I wish Inside was longer than three hours and didn't end the way it did? Of course. Do I wish Halo 5 wasn't advertised horribly from the game they delivered? I
0: get the point. I get the point Christian anything could be better if it right. was better but I'm not I'm not that is a ridiculous uh, bastardization of my point it is ridiculous to say well if it was better it would be better i'm saying that a very specific point in a very specific situation which is if this if this game had a little bit more complexity on a gameplay level it would do wonders to make its vastness and its interesting uh, visual and auditory level much more satisfying, and and that's all I'm saying. I'm saying the game is remarkable. It is an achievement. It is a technical marvel that is unfortunately a little hollow for me because I I find myself lacking any purpose. And if I even had, it doesn't even have to be story level purpose. If it was just purpose of like, wow, I could get better and be more facile in this world and handle things in a different way. And
1: right. so it it's would really be so like, much more what fun What is this? Is, you know, it's really interesting. It's really, uh, certain things are really well done. Yes, certain aspects are really fun. But I think that as games get more complex, as the systems get more complex, and I'm sure we'll see this as VR comes along and stuff too, that what we consider a game or what we consider gaming software is going to change a little bit in that games are no longer, you know, necessarily what we traditionally thought of as games. Just like Minecraft, like strictly speaking, I wouldn't consider Minecraft a game. Minecraft's awesome. It's amazing, but it's almost more like, Um, an experience or a toy or a thing to do it's like this awesome piece of software right but it's not necessarily strictly speaking a game to me a game has rules and objectives and all this kind of stuff and that um, we're kind of coming into this era of having all of these different experiences and just because it comes in a little blue or green box and we put it in our console doesn't necessarily make it a game like is this a game or is this an experience? I think it's and can it be an amazing I, experience I it, that you just totally enjoy for the experience, you know? But maybe we need to rethink it. Not everything that we're doing or playing or experiencing is really a traditional game.
0: That's what I love about. I it. think. Go ahead, Mi- I think Minecraft is a perfect example because it, it, it does it does have that like if I play it for a hundred hours, I'm better at Minecraft than I was. You know, at the beginning, I, I think it, there's so much to learn and do, which is why Minecraft uh, YouTube videos are so huge. Like there's so many things to learn and so many things to, to get better at. And I, I just wish No Man's Sky had more of that. That's so
2: my my I will talk about this game more over the year i'm sure but i think like people in the chat are saying "Oh, i wish i could return home to my home planet i wish there was a map i wish there was this and part of me really wishes there was that too that's part of the reason spoiler alert i don't know maybe i'm eight ten hours into this game and i only left my home planet briefly and then realized oh my god i'm I'm never gonna be able to find this planet again i want to go back to my planet so i'm still on because it's
1: mine i named it
2: yeah, I'm still on my home planet. And do I wish that I could tag it and market and come back? Yes. Do I wish the inventory system was managed better? Yes. Do I wish that I could say, okay, I, what I'm trying to do right now is create this upgrade for uh, my multi-tool. And to do that, I need zinc and whatever, gold. And so I could tag that, like, you know, make it the way you can in Destiny now, like, track this objective. And so I could just stay focused on that. I I wish it had all of those things. But then my initial reaction to myself is, you know what? I'm kind of glad it doesn't because it's, it is. It's the antithesis of, of current modern gaming where press A to mourn, go here to do this, check this objective off. And you're still checking things off and doing things, but I get distracted. And the only person I have to blame for me not staying focused on getting, well, I already forget what I said, zinc and gold, is because I saw something else and I walked over there and then I was like, crap, what am I doing again? Oh, yeah, I need zinc and gold. Oh, well, now my life support system's down. Oh, I got to go get some carbon. And then it's been two hours. And what have I done? The grand scheme of things, nothing. My wife would say, you're always doing something, Christian. Don't say you're doing it. And I'd be like, I'm playing the video games. Um, but what have I done? I don't know. But did I have fun doing it? Yes. And did it challenge me as a person and as a gamer about what my expectations in these games and what games are, can be, and should be? Every single second. And one other thing about beauty, to plug a friend, um, uh, All Our Skies, I believe, was started by Khalif and uh, Spawn On Me guys. And I had a moment when Spawn On Me, when I think it was Khalif who was on that Twitch stream, was watching me play. And I see this animal, and it's like moving around funny, and he laughs and uh, chats. Oh my gosh, I had an ex-girlfriend that... Looked like that when she danced, and we all have a good laugh, and that's a funny moment and then I'm playing for another thirty minutes, and I go, oh wait, I need to name some stuff, so I go in and when I name that animal, I name it uh spawn's ex girlfriend and that thing exists in that world named after her because he saw it, commented on it, and now that's a thing that exists that's beautiful and we got an email about it, a crazy emergent gameplay story that happened, maybe it's in the subreddit um yeah. I'm not so, anyway, I'm that. super high on this game. I, I Sorry if I sound lecturing. Uh,
0: clearly. No, it's it, it, clearly, and I love that you love it. I, I do. I really am so glad that you love it. And I wish, and, and again, I, there are moments uh, as I started with that are transcendent. It is a, It is an achievement unparalleled. It is absolutely a technical marvel and something that is going to change what we expect out of games. And I think that's pretty amazing. And it's certainly worth playing and trying, I just find it ultimately, uh, a little disappointing. And I love that you don't, I love that you don't. Um, but we should talk about some other games, but I do want to, th- I want to read this, um, this post on our subreddit. Uh, by the way, I'd love to hear what the audience thinks about, this conversation and these points that all three of us are making uh you can always send emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post in our subreddit would love to widen the discussion the chat room right now is having a great discussion i'm really enjoying reading it as we're talking Uh, but this was posted by kingslayer49 he actually has this phenomenally long detailed um dramatic post about his his quest. It's really worth reading the whole thing. I wish we had time. I would do a dramatic reading of the entire thing because it's really good. But uh, I'll read the... He also po- posted a short version. I'll read the short version. Uh, and it kind of flies in the face of some of the stuff I was saying because he, he, it is an adventure. And I think this is uh, uh, worth noting that he had this cool experience. He says, I was shot down on the eve of, research, uh, of resource gathering mission by pirates on an empty planet. The planet is harsh, devoid of any intelligent life, i.e. every planet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, I just had editorialized. Planet is harsh, devoid of any intelligent life, with storms every five minutes that tear apart my heat shield, meaning I can walk to shelter for a maximum of 90 seconds while there is nothing safe within 10 minutes. I need zinc to fix my ship and get off the world. Unfortunately, I can't find any zinc anywhere. Every shelter I come to is abandoned. I had literally been on this planet for four hours with no luck. I'm about to say screw it and delete my save file and start fresh. At the last second, I decide to shoot down a sentinel out of anger. It drops titanium. I can power my heat shield. I shoot enough to walk, a, walk long enough and by chance find zinc. I get back to my ship and get the heck off of Crashlandia, never to return to that nightmarish landscape. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, What else have you been playing, Miranda?
1: Well, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch pretty consistently since it came out. It's kind of just a fun game to pick up, especially when you don't have a lot of time to play. You know, if I got 20, 30 minutes, an hour tops, um, that's a game that I didn't expect to really enjoy for as long as I have. Um, I thought that the gameplay was pretty simple and that we played the beta weekend. I'm like, oh, that was fun. But, you know, I probably won't play any more than this. And I find myself playing it eh, pretty much every day. And now there's special <laughs> loot boxes for the uh, summer game. So now I've got to try and get some of those drops. And uh, it's oh, fun. Yeah, it's Everybody so cool. in my house likes that game. All four kids, Jeff and I, we all we all enjoy Overwatch. It's just, it's just fun. It's a quick...
0: Who's your main...
1: What's
0: that? Who's your main? Oh, what Symmetra. Character do you play yeah, most often.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been playing Anna since she came out. She's pretty cool too. But um, but Symmetra is pretty much my uh, my go to. I like her play style. I like to play support and defensive. So that's pretty fun. And you know she's kind of cool looking. I unlocked me a legendary skin for her uh she's she's pretty fun yeah so we like we like overwatch a lot in our house everybody likes it from 7 to 17 to the adults it's pretty cool game
0: pretty cool game indeed um christian you want to talk about anything else on your playlist
2: uh oh i'll just mention quickly you talked well about it um but i started playing headlander late to the party um it is. Uh, my top five games of 2016 is getting very crowded. I think there may be 15 games on there, but it is thrown into the mix. Headlander is gorgeous and beautiful. And I'm just, I'm just a space guy. I'd like to pretend that I land on a planet and then I get bored of uh, No Man's Sky for a little bit and I move on to the, and, I'm, and I'm playing Headlander and I continue my story. <laughs> I pretend it's the same <laughs> shared universe. But head, Headlander, I will echo all of your compliments that you threw on that game. It is incredible.
0: Well, when you're carving penises into rocks in No Man's Sky, it does make sense <laughs> it's that. Hard to top that, universe. universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Titanfall Two. I had a chance to go to an event uh, a while back, but the the um, embargo finally went up. I didn't. I played the multiplayer. I'm not allowed to talk about that yet. But I think the more interesting bit is uh, the single player, which I got the chance to see a, a bunch of up close. They didn't give us hands-on of the single player for Titanfall 2, but I did get a chance to see an extended gameplay demo live uh, at their facilities. And um, what, what are you hoping for from Titanfall 2, Christian, as far as uh, a gameplay? A um, single
2: player, I would hope for a little more open version of some of like the advanced warfare Call of Duty style gameplay with bigger kill boxes and maps because I'm incorporating a big, huge mech. But it's that same story bombastic Michael Bay. You know, they're coming from Call of Duty background, but but bigger and a little more open.
0: Miranda, are you looking forward to Titanfall 2?
1: It's not really on my radar, but if they open it up a little bit more like that, then I would be, uh, I would be into that too. Cause I think the first one, I didn't play very much of it, but it was pretty on rails, eh? And it's, uh, I don't know. I'm open. If it's got co-op, I'm in. We're always looking for good co-op games to play. Uh, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's something I'm really stoked about.
0: Well, they haven't announced any co-op for the single-player campaign as of yet. And what they showed, it seemed like it would be odd to have co-op because a lot of the – at least the campaign story that they showed us – revolved around being stranded by yourself and it's just you and your mech. So I think it'd be a little odd to have like, Hey, also me, I'm also here stranded with me and my <laughs> mech. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: I don't know. Um, I mean, Call of Duty's got like a single, like got co-op and you're one, one guy. And when you play it co-op, you're two guys <laughs> yeah. who are the same yeah. guy.
0: You're right. Yeah. You're <laughs> the same <laughs> guy. <laughs> co-op always makes everything better. So it, it's, I'm all for even messing with the uh, logic in order to make that work. But what they showed us, um, First of all, interesting bits like you—you you are constantly all the story dialogue stuff. You have choices on how you can respond to any dialogue moment. So I don't think they're wildly different choices, and it's going to steer the story in a different way. But at least you get a different kind of you know feedback on your choice. So you know there's branching dialogue trees. Interesting. Um, the idea is yeah, you're stranded on a planet. You uh, go up to your commanding officer who's dying, and he says bond with my mech. I'll give you my mech so you can survive. And then he goes, oh, and dies. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you get a mech bond with that mech. And then it's you and the mech going through the world. The thing that was the most surprising about the single player campaign stuff that they showed is how much platforming is in the game. Uh, they talked a lot at the event about how they didn't want it to just be a big shouty, Call of Duty-esque shooter, although it certainly is a shooter. It's just, they're not getting away from that. And it is shouty um, for the most part. So it wasn't like complete departure. But they talked about this process of iterating on the game that allowed them to create these what they called action blocks. They had the designers just create short snippets of gameplay that had nothing to do with Titanfall but just like lived in that world as just an iterative process, and they had like 200 of them of just like make something fun, make something interesting and fun using our engine. And they had all their designers do that early on in the process to just come up with ideas. And I thought that was a pretty cool way to go about it. I love and that. The result, How fun. Right? Yeah. The result was something very, it reminded me a lot more of like Mirror's Edge, or even actually Prince of Persia, which is a third person action game. But uh, the the modern Prince of Persia games are all about like run a- across the wall, then leap, then double jump, then get to that ledge and then run across another wall and string all that stuff together. Titanfall 2's single player has a ton of that. And I thought that was pretty clever and pretty interesting and made me very curious uh, about playing more. And the last bit that they showed us was a level where the time all sort of stopped kind of like Quantum Break or something where everything is like mid-explosion and you can wander around through it they just showed a snippet of that but that was pretty interesting Um, so I I left there thinking well it's pretty much what I expect from a Titanfall 2 multiplayer it's run and shoot stuff and you're on a planet, you've got a mech single player Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about the multiplayer yet but you already do tell um, what it is though
1: (laughs) Just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyway, I I I was not blown away, but I was intrigued. So I'm I'm very much interested in seeing more about how the single player campaign plays. But a lot platforming stuff I like, and the the traversal in the Titanfall engine is really fun because you've got such speed and that double jump and the wall running. So they really use that stuff to its. Did they show
2: the uh, – were they doing a lot of the the whip chain too in single player?
0: No. I didn't see the whip chain used once in single player. Although there was a moment where your mech picks you up and flings Mm. you. And then you have to like – he flings you into the air and then you have to like wall run and get to the next ledge. So it's it's some really clever stuff, but I did not see the grapple in single player. All right, guys. Let's – Let's talk a little bit about VR in our VR talk segment. Miranda, what's your feeling about VR? Are you excited for it?
1: So I'm really in the minority here, but honestly, I'm not super stoked about VR. I don't know what it is. I don't think you're the minority. I know everybody else is all wound up about VR, and I'm like, eh, It'd be cool to check it out, I guess. I think maybe I'll be more excited when there's more games. Like, we have the PlayStation VR on pre-order, and I was in my EB, and the guy's like, do you want to put any games on pre-order? I'm like, what you got? Mm, there's nothing.
2: <laughs> we have some
1: ideas of what there's going to be. Like, I know there's going to be the Batman one, which is probably going to be pretty cool. Um, that
0: just went on pre-order today, oh, by Oh, yeah, way, the main
1: yeah. Main and VR was it uh, Longest Journey? Is that what it's called? Something uh, It looks incredible. It's uh, I got think you're dinosaurs. talking about
0: the Crytek game. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, but I wouldn't uh. say like I'm counting the days until I get my VR set up or anything like that. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know.
0: I don't think that's the minority opinion. I think most people – I think it's a minority opinion on this show. But that's oh, no,
1: it. I know. How many VR sets do you have pre-ordered, Jeff? <laughs>
0: All of them. them. Um, So,
1: I don't know. I don't know what it is because, I I mean, I love games, but something about strapping on that headset and whatever, I don't know. It's just not – maybe it'll be different when I get it on and I try it. And I'm really somewhere else. I think, but like, I'll be, check it be, out. It'll be fine. I'm sure. But I wouldn't say I'm really, really. We'll have to, but I'll tell you, if that Batman game is really good, I'm sold. Like, I hope it's a game we'll and not to just after you've tried. look around for 15 minutes pretending that you're Batman. Little mini experience. Like, if that's a game, like the Telltale Games game or something like that, only in that Arkham universe or something, the Batman will sell me.
0: Well, I got bad news for you. It's going to be, uh, it's $15, so it's going to be a very short experience.
1: Hey,
2: how much is uh, Telltale's episode one,
0: Batman? Oh, is it $15? That's not much.
1: No, a couple bucks, yeah.
0: Well, I I can tell you that, that, yeah, yeah, I have a feeling that's pretty much all it's going to be, but it's still very cool. I tried it at E3, it was really neat. Yeah, but Uh, I mean, it'll be neat to see
1: where it goes, because it's brand new, right? Like... So, and there's all, there's so many potential applications in games, and again, just experiences, like we are talking a little bit with uh, No Man's Sky, like, we'll be able to do all kinds of stuff that's not a game. I'm just not sure what that is yet, but we'll see when we get there. I'm sure that there's going to be some pretty cool stuff for it.
0: I mean, if, if No Man's Sky was in VR, I would be <laughs> much more compelled by it. I really would. I really would. I mean, it's like... I, I, you're a caricature of
2: yourself right now, Jeff.
0: <laughs> but I really would. I mean, it, it, it's it's uh, it's a hike, right? It's it's being on a hike with fewer senses than a hike gives me. I only have visual and auditory on a hike in in uh, No Man's Sky. I would love to be able to look all the way around me and have my head on a swivel and feel like I'm actually in that place rather than staring at it on my television. I think that would be uh, make it a better experience. It might. But, it might. Christian what about you you got uh you got some Oculus uh play time in this week as well Yeah right? I so I had never felt motion sick
2: you know with demos at your house any of my little brother had a dev kit one and two I think or I don't know uh I've had plenty of VR experience right and then I got my own Oculus and I was like I'm going for it I want to play a drift um great game maybe motion <laughs> sick uh Dirt Rally VR, talking to Tim Stevens, what was it, two weeks ago. I love driving games. I love the cockpit view. Forza tried to solve the problem of like true cockpit view with um, head tracking on the Connect, And that didn't quite work because when you drive a car to check your blind spot or look in your mirror, you're not moving your head, you know, 20 degrees to the right. And I was like, VR, this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Strap in, Dirt Rally VR, and it is, you are in the car. It is in credible like your sight lines are great everything is amazing i'm like this is so awesome then i go over my first kind of uh big bump and i'm like oh no what have i done <laughs> then i crash for the first time and i'm like no no what have i done to myself uh just don't crash dude don't and crash I'm just not crashing i uh so i have i forget it's maybe 40 minutes i think it's still archived on my twitch and then it's also on the YouTube, which again is Christian Spicer713. Skip to the end if you would like. Um, but I take those the, the the rift off and I it is the most motion sick I've I think I've ever been in my life. Like I get seasick, my dad is a ship captain. Um and so I've been on some big some big ships and I've been on some cruises and playing dirt rally VR and I went back and didn't stream it. I was like, I gotta play again. I only made it through one race when I was like, I gotta I think I can only do ten minute intervals of that game. I need I have now I am dialing back my VR expectations of myself and realizing that if it says uh, extreme or whatever, you know, for the sensation or the VR ability of it, I'm no longer snapping into a Slim gym, chugging a Mountain Dew and diving in, being extreme. Uh, I think I need intermediate or relaxed because holy moly, Dirt Rally VR, incredible. If you don't get motion sick playing VR, give it a shot.
0: But I was wrecked. Wreck. I love how you it's buy the an Oculus. The first Yeah, the first two things you try are like the most. Well, intense. that's what I wanted to do. I've learned, Just Jeff. Enjoy some games, man. Play. Are, are you going to play Edge of Tomorrow? Or Edge yes. Of Nowhere? I, Edge I am of Nowhere.
2: saving that. I probably will, my plan is to kind of do it all in one stream, one sit down. So I'm, you know. Waiting my, uh, I thought I'd dip my toe into some extreme VR and then dial it out. But now I think my favorite VR experiences might be like Kronos, Edge of Nowhere, the, that third person, the world's all around you. Even Lucky's Tale, I think that might be where VR shines for me interesting.
0: Well, you know what? You're you're still also just playing controller-based VR. When you, you know, when the touch controllers come out and you're able to stand and use your hands, I think it's a whole new world. A whole new. <laughs> world. Um, I first thing I want to talk about in our VR segment this week is uh I got a birthday present that I was very excited about. I just had my birthday a couple of weeks ago and it finally arrived. Uh, This is something from a company called VR Lens Lab. You can find them at vr-lens-lab.com. I'm not affiliated affiliated with them in any way. Again, this was a birthday present that I asked for. Uh, But these guys did a Kickstarter a long time ago. Basically, what they do is they make uh, prescription lenses that you can stick inside your headsets Hmm. for both Oculus and Vive because uh, I I wear contacts and uh, glasses and – Unfortunately, it's uh, annoying, and it's really uh, a pain in the butt to put on. You know, use the goggles with um, with glasses. I find that the actually
1: genius. I mean, even just headsets can be a pain with glasses.
0: Yeah, the, I find the Oculus actually is is easy to use the the glasses, but when I'm putting on the Vive and I have my glasses on and I'm putting on you know the other headset, the other uh, earphones that I need to wear, it's just all so much, and I don't like wearing contacts in there because it makes my it makes my eyes kind of uh, fatigue quicker with the contacts in the headsets, so I tend to use my glasses. So these guys sell prescription lenses and they're made for the specific headsets. They click in. uh, They're really easy to install. And my gosh, it has completely changed my Vive experience. I love it and I highly recommend it if you wear glasses for uh, uh, nearsightedness and you have a Vive or an Oculus. I highly recommend checking out these th- these uh, this company because they work great, and it has completely changed my. I experience. I know you're so. a
2: gift. You know about how much they cost, though. If people are looking,
0: I think they're about a hundred bucks.
2: your I about- my biggest complaint about my Oculus, I would say, aside from me pushing my limits too far, is because those screens, I guess, are so close to my face. Like it gets
0: really hot. Yeah. Do you get really hot? That's hot true. face. Uh, I can get hot face if I'm doing active stuff. Uh, Oculus, I don't get hot face usually. Maybe Um, it's like
2: my nausea combined with like a little bit of hot face. Like I'm sweating because I'm like, what am I doing to my body?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, We got news that that uh, Minecraft it came out on Oculus uh, today, so you might want to check that out, Christian. If you already have
1: Minecraft, Uh that'd be a fun experience, I think.
0: Yeah, I. I've tried the um, the hack on Vive, and it's awesome. So I can only imagine what the like official version is on uh, Oculus. And it's going to support Touch when Touch comes out, too. So pretty cool. Uh, I tried a game this week called Help, HALP. H-A-L-P! HALP! Amazing. This is a Vive game. I think it's free right now. It's an early access. It's really short experience, just sort of a proof of concept. But it's an example of the kinds of games that only work in VR. Well... I think that it's like new categories of games. I mean, obviously, god games work, you know, point and click on a 2D screen. But in this game, you are standing at a, I don't know, a structure, I'll say. (laughs) An alien structure is all around you. It's right up close to you. It's got all kinds of crazy Rube Goldberg-esque contraptions and doohickeys and doodads all around you. And disasters start happening like little uh, fires will break out and there's little robot guys that you can pick up and fling and stack and move around and they're asking you for help and you have to pick things up and manipulate things and stop the fires and attach – uh you know, attach pipes and reroute water and do all kinds of fun stuff. But it's cool because it's all tactile and it's all right in front of you, all around you. So everything feels really present and alive and you're using the touch controllers to physically manipulate things and, you know, throw characters and then giant monsters will pop out of a hole in something and you'll have to like jump out of the way of it. It is really, really cool. It's just a standing experience. Uh, but I highly recommend it. If you've got a Vive, check out help H a L P exclamation point. And just another example of what Vive or what, uh, vr is allowing us to to create these new kinds of games really really fun all right uh let's uh let's thank our other sponsor now which is linode linode is a hosting company offering high performance linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs linode has it all lightning quick servers in the cloud a super fast 40 gps network automated backups node balancers Managed services, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for only $10 a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including us, 5 by 5 All of the infrastructure here is hope, uh, is hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. You just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Just visit linode.com slash 5x5 today to support the show. Use promo code 5x5, and you'll get a $10 credit. Linode.com slash 5x5. Simple, powerful, reliable. All right, guys. Let's uh, take a second and have a little tabletop time. Get the give the day now right now first things first in tabletop time i misspoke last week i'm really sorry i (laughs) we were talking about monopoly with tim longo and i said oh monopoly go is a version of i'm such an idiot there's no such thing as monopoly go there's a go on the monopoly board and there's pokemon go And somehow my mind – and Sushi Go is a board game. And somehow my mind got conflated and I didn't bother to look on my shelf where Pokemon Deal is sitting. (laughs) I can't – I can't get this right. I'm so averse to recommending any Monopoly to anybody. That's how hard it is to recommend Monopoly. But no, this is a version of Monopoly that's actually good. It's called Monopoly Deal. And uh, Pokemon deal coming soon <laughs> from an app developer near you. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So when I was talking about a version of Monopoly that's all card-based, it's not called Go. It's called Monopoly Deal. It's really, really good. In fact, we got an email this week uh, to dlcfeedback at gmail.com from Matt, who says he's an Australian living in, sh- in living in London. And he says, uh, hey, guys, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to Monopoly Deal. I was introduced to the game via a friend when a group of us were stuck indoors during a rainy weekend getaway. The game was a massive hit with everyone, particularly my girlfriend who became obsessed with playing it over the following months. But that but what's even better is that we introduced it to more and more people and it became a tabletop gaming gateway drug for my girlfriend, myself and many of our friends who I would never have thought interested in board gaming. A few years later, we all regularly play Pandemic together and often make trips to a very cool local board game cafe to try out new and exciting games. Our latest trip included games of Carcassonne, Mysterium, and Nitwit, along with the drinking of much beer. Not only is Monopoly Deal far superior to the original board game version, it's also a great way to introduce non-gamers more interesting and exciting games by using the familiar and unthreatening name of Monopoly when suggesting they play something new. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I agree, and that's why I tried to mention it last week, but did a terrible, terrible job <laughs> of saying the correct name. Um, Miranda. Do you you play board games ever? Have you? Oh, I
1: love board games. We play all kinds of games in our house. We play trading card games. We play board games. We play tabletop D&D. We play it all. Um, And it's summer and the kids are home. So definitely we're playing a a lot of different kinds of games.
0: Well, anything you've been playing lately that you want to talk about?
1: Um, Nothing really new or exciting. Um, We play a lot of Carcassonne, which is a great game if you have kids. Because, um, like, my guys started playing this game when they were, like, three or four. Because there is no reading. There is no planning ahead. You just pull a piece and deal with it. There's not a lot of, like steps ahead, steps ahead. Um, So, you know, if anybody's got young kids that you're interested in introducing to more like premium board games, Carcassonne's fantastic family game. And we have a bunch of the expansions and we have a lot of fun with that. And what else have we been playing? You know what we've been playing? This is not a high-end geek board game, but we recently started playing Life, which is a game I loved oh. when I was a kid, and I've got some fancy deluxe board, and we never played it as a family. And uh, we've been playing a lot of Life, and we've actually been having a lot of fun with it. It's fun when to I was a go kid, back and experience and I, those games you liked as a kid.
0: Yeah. When I was a kid, my sister and I had the rule that um, we, we only would start Life if we were uh, either a doctor or a lawyer. Because we realized that if you start life as uh, one of the, a teacher or one of the other professions, you can't live. And sadly, we didn't learn from that.
1: <laughs> right.
0: The one lesson that you would think would be a good lesson to learn is uh, have a good job. Uh, we were just like, no, we we'll just cheat and give ourselves the good jobs and then play the game <laughs> only. Rather than, oh, uh, maybe – going to school and becoming an actor isn't the smartest thing to do.
1: (laughs) So really, eh? yeah. Yeah. So actually that's been kind of fun and it's a newer version, but it's still got the little dorky cars with the little pin people that you put in it and uh, all of that kind of stuff. So that's pretty fun. And Carcassonne mad. There's always magic, you know, happening in our house. That's we love uh, a trading card game, all of us. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, I've got mixed ages. Oh, and we are playing quite a bit of, um, Risk Starcraft edition. So I know you guys have Ooh. talked about like Risk Legacy and there's tons of different versions of Risk, but have you ever played the Starcraft one?
0: I have not. I just got the Risk uh, Game of Thrones version as a gift, but I have not tried the Starcraft. So does
1: the Game of Thrones Thrones one have like different gameplay or is it like Monopoly where it's like the same game with just a different board?
0: I haven't cracked it open yet, but uh, I hear that there are some versions that yeah that add little rules. So and that's
1: what this one is like, where there's some different layers to it. So my nine-year-old is our strategy gamer, and he beats the pants off of us at everything. Like we can't beat him at Risk, Chess, Supreme Commander. Like he beat me at Carcassonne for the first time when he was like three and a half. He can think ahead in a way that I never will be able to. And he likes Starcraft and he likes Risk. So we got him this game maybe for Christmas. And it's got some other layers where you have a hero who has some special powers and you have uh resources so it's got some oh my goodness i had the biggest headache pulling it out of the box the first time i'm like <laughs> i feel old i can't learn something new <laughs> but uh and then there's that's the easy rules and then there's actually harder rules that you can layer in and layer in so it recommends start with these basics and once you have that nailed You can add in some more mechanics and some increased difficulty, and uh, obviously, if you like those games, you know there's that it's all all themed and all that kind of stuff, which is fun. Um, So that's a that's a pretty fun game that you can play with just a couple of people too. But that's not the game to play with a couple of friends when you're having cocktails on a Saturday night. It's not that.
0: (laughs) It's vicious, (laughs) vicious, yeah. Um, I had a chance to play some more Flick 'em Up uh, recently. I was on uh, the Attack, and they asked me to bring. They're doing a board game show over there on Kevin Pereira's uh, The Attack, and they asked me to bring a game with me to play. And I brought Flick 'em Up, which Christian and I played a while back. So I got to play more of that. It's still great. Um, flicking cowboy game, cowboys and bank robbers. And, um, your different scenarios, there's a whole range of scenarios that come in the box and you can flick, you flick little discs at each other. It's all three dimensional and wood. It's really neat. Cardboard. Um, and you flick discs at each other to shoot and you flick a, a little disc to move your character. So it's all a uh, dexterity game. Really, really fun called flick em up. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Pathfinder card game that I mentioned. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Uh, I came away from it a little disappointed, but really great. Post in our subreddit from uh dang lading I guess dang lading lading dang lading um where he uh kind of took me to task a little bit for my review of that. he said he enjoys the game much much more uh, he talked a little bit about the end game, which I had problems with of you know basically your goal is to trap this guy in a place. he said there are certain rules that make it a little uh more fun at least in his view i didn't think so but uh, he also said, um, I have found the beauty of this game in two places. The first is in the progression system. At the end of every game, your character represented by the deck of cards that you're using has the opportunity to keep any cards that you found in the location decks during the scenario. There are limits on how many of each type of card you can have spells, weapons, armor, etc but you are provided an opportunity to upgrade your character deck with found loot, similar to a role-playing game. Uh, there are also various upgrades available to each character. that are awarded after beating a scenario. Bonuses to stat rolls, special abilities, and so forth. It feels somewhat action RPG-like. But the real excitement of the game is at the end of most scenarios, the designers have managed to balance the game, including the uh, u- uh, utilizing the escape mechanic, the timer deck, and other systems, so that at least half of my games come down to almost the last possible turn before winning. I have had many scenarios where we knew which deck the boss was hiding in, we had locations closed or temporarily closed, and the timer deck was down to the last card or two before we flipped over the boss. This turns into a classic stand-up roll where your team is using every trick available to them to stack the odds in your favor before making that final roll against the boss. I have won and lost many games in this situation. In my opinion... That repeatable level of in-game tension speaks to some fantastic game design. I agree with Jeff that it's not for everyone. While the story told across scenarios is interesting, it's very thin, and the role-playing is basically non-existent, action RPG folks, though, will enjoy it. Number crunchers will love it. LARPers and true storytellers might not find much there, but I wanted to share that there is definitely more to this game than Jeff's review indicated. So... uh, Thanks, Dang Ladding, for that uh, post in our subreddit. You guys can see more of what he had to say over at uh, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. So, again, we were talking about Pathfinder, the adventure card game. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We still have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But uh, we do need to wrap things up now, and I want to say thanks to uh, Miranda Carvel for being here. Thanks, Miranda.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Enjoy being here.
0: Awesome. Where can people uh, keep up with uh, what you do on the on the internet?
1: On the interwebs. Um, yeah. So if uh, you're looking for me in the gaming world, I am Hotel Queen across various platforms and uh, on Twitter, Miranda with an A Carvel.
0: Very cool, uh, Christian. What about you? What do you got going on this week?
2: Uh more No Man's Sky. If you're not and you want to, you can follow me. I heard you love that. I hear it's pretty fun. Uh you can follow me on Twitch, which is just twitch.tv/slash Christian Spicer. Or stuff gets archived over at YouTube, which is Christian Spicer seven one three. I've toyed with the idea of doing some edits and stuff like that on YouTube, but um, I just haven't had the time. So it's still just kind of the full the full stream is there. And if you can kind of search around for stuff, maybe I'll pr- try to mark some notes of like when I. I carve penises into rocks, and uh, <laughs> when I'm doing that, the important, yeah, stuff. the important stuff, yeah. when I'm doing we don't something else, that
1: stuff that's for sure.
2: It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> it was a pretty big rock, you guys. <laughs> uh, I have a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting, which Miranda, great segue, by the way. Thank you.
0: I, the, I carved the penis into a rock. Anyway, I have a parenting podcast. <laughs>
2: you know why it's a great segue, Jeff?
1: That is a slick segue
2: <laughs> because because. Never stop being a kid, man. You got to you gotta have the fun when you can have the fun. But Miranda was a uh, guest on an episode. You can find that because it is just with special guest and her name. Uh, that's how we do guest episodes. But it was cool. We talked about um, nutrition and nutrition with kids. And I think something that a lot of people struggle with in the idea of, you know, I think she had, um, I can say you, you're on the show. I don't need to talk about you like you're not here. So some great points about like, Kid diets and and kid foods and stuff like that and and how kid to avoid food and
1: picky eaters and all that stuff parents struggle with.
2: Yeah, it's really it's really cool. It's a great episode. And uh this tomorrow's episode is we did a guest episode with another parenting podcast called Hands Off Parents. So it's our first four person episode. It's fun. It got gets crazy quickly, but it's a fun one. That's called Department of Parenting, and then. um Oh, the uninformed opinion is a podcast I do with Stuart Nocht, who you might know as Wombat from Cheapass Gamer. We did an episode; uh, our most recent one is about Suicide Squad. And towards the end of the episode, we pitch a really good Suicide Squad movie. You guys like a really good movie? Someone should make that movie. Jeff, what about you?
0: Well, I've got uh, several other shows for you to check out. The Slash Filmcast is uh, me talking about movies and TV shows and stuff with the folks over at SlashFilm.com. We just put out an episode about Pete's Dragon, which you can check out at SlashFilmcast.com. I also do a comedy show with Anthony Carboni called We Have Concerns, which you can find at WeHaveConcerns.com. And we're just wrapping up our last week of uh, Tomorrow Daily – so, check that show out while you can. We end on the 18th. So, tomorrowdaily.com. Going to launch a new show on CNET uh, down the line a little bit. Ashley is scared myself. But uh, we got one more week of Tomorrow Daily. So, check it out. Yeah, I was on that show. Yeah, you. that's right. You filled in for me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for
2: having me. It was fun. What a, a, I can't wait to go do it again
0: uh yeah no you were on it and then uh now we're not doing it anymore. Okay, so I, I mean you know um correlation is not causation but um just a
1: coincidence don't take it personally
0: yeah just a coincidence but, but literally the week after you were on it it's well ending. i just want to say that so... we have concerns has continued to do well you're welcome <laughs> yes you're right you're right uh no i really appreciate you filling in for me while i was in chicago um it was a great episode you were on too i watched it it was great Um, so yeah check out uh, Christian Spicer on Tomorrow Daily filling in for me at uh, tomorrowdaily.com right, guys that's gonna be it for this episode Uh, let's uh, let's give you a little something to carry you through your week by hitting up our parting gift hey give us a
2: suggestion of what to do this
0: Miranda, do you have a, a recommendation that might not be a video game that you can get people through their week?
1: I surely do. So I'm actually, I'm a really huge reader. I'm a huge book nerd. And I'm reading this great series right now. If you like fantasy books, um, particularly for the ladies out there, because it is a female lead character, check out The Girl of Fire and Thorns. It's a trilogy. It's um it is YA, but it's one of those kind of on the cusp. So it's a lighter read, say like Ready Player One, like it's um, not for little kids, but it's a fairly easy read. And it's sort of a typical fantasy setting with a little bit of magic and all that kind of stuff. But the story is really one of these um, like coming of age personal development stories where I see so many thematic similarities to the Star Wars trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy, how Luke Skywalker goes from being this bratty kid to being Luke Skywalker. She kind of goes through that same kind of progression of coming into herself and becoming a leader. And it's easy to read. And it's, uh, it's just, it's one of the best um, fantasy books that I've read in a while. And it's a trilogy. I'm just halfway through book three, which started off with a bang. And um, it's by an author named Ray, R A E, Carson. And it's called The Girl of Fire and Thorns. So if you're a reader, check that out.
0: Very cool. Sounds good. Christian, how about you? You got a uh, parting gift?
2: It's a vague one, but I think it's one I say from time to time, and I need to restress it. Something personally happened that's not important, but um, help help people if you are in a position of power and you're able to lend a hand down and pull someone else up with you. Do it. Do it when you can. If you're You know, at your coffee place of choice and you feel like paying it forward, that's a small fun thing to do. There is a lot of, um, horrible stuff that still happens in the world every day. And if you can bring brightness to it by doing anonymous or, you know, being a polite stranger in the world, do that. And I think more importantly, what I always try to do and I think is important to be reminded to do is, give back to people that are coming up, people that are in the position you were in before, whether that's volunteering at, you know, an elementary school, middle school, high school, or seeing if your company where you have a job, you can bring on an intern and you can bring an intern in or shape an intern program with the local university. There are so many cool ways to give back in the community and to help people trying to do cool stuff like you do. And I think it's important to take a minute to look to see how you can do that because I always get questions, you know, how do you become an attorney? How do you get into podcasting? How do you start comedy? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I think anytime you can help people looking to try to do cool things and make cool things, you make the world a better place.
1: So oh, I love that.
0: Uh, we got a parting gift sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us by Stephen from Alabama. Stephen says, my parting gift uh, comes from a recent discussion on the Slash Film podcast. Utilize your public library. Not only do they have an array of any book or comic or graphic novel, they typically carry Blu-rays, DVDs, and video games. Depending on the size of your city, the games they carry can be very recent. More importantly, after you get your library card, download an app called Overdrive. This app gives you access to ebooks and audiobooks that you can check out through your library within the app. You put a hold on what you want and get an email when it's available. Then you can return the digital copy as soon as you're done, or it will automatically return itself after a certain amount of time. So get to reading and listening, people, because knowledge is power. I thought that was pretty great. The library, it's still relevant. It's still cool. They still have really, really great stuff. And yeah, even in the digital age, you can get uh, your needs met by supporting your local library. So thanks, Stephen. And if you want to send your own... Parting gift for us for a future episode. You can send that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, uh, my parting gift. I know I have mentioned before, but it bears repeating. BoJack Horseman season three just came out recently, and oh my gosh, it's still the greatest. It's the greatest. It's hilarious. It's a perfect send up of Hollywood, and it's really it. It's about something. It has heart. It is about that need we all have to make connections with other human beings and the hollowness of pretty much everything else in life it is it's really profound and great and there are hilarious jokes i will give you an example of one there is a uh, television show that somebody's watching in the middle of it with all these experts and one of them says as the kids say nbd which as we all know means no bd And that's B.D. Wong, the actor. And now the kids are always saying if it doesn't have B.D. Wong in it, (laughs) then we don't care. So N.B.D. I thought that was hilarious. And that's just one example of how brilliant that show is. No B.D. Wong. No B.D. Wong. All right, guys. uh, Again, that's BoJack Horseman Season 3. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, We're going to be back next week. Oh, thank you to Miranda Carvel and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in the chat room for uh, you guys hanging out with us and contributing to the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks to all of you that download the show and recommend it to friends. We appreciate that too. Uh, also, your, your five-star reviews on, on your platform of choice are always helpful. We'll be back next week with more uh, arguing about No Man's Sky, I'm sure. And uh, lots of other stuff. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.